0: We're continuing in our series in the Book of Ephesians, the letter to the Ephesians. Um, this is the penultimate one. We're, we've done one sermon per chapter, pretty much. But next week, Chris is going to sort of do a roundup, pull it all together, and maybe apply some of that a little bit in prayer. Um, so, so today we're going to be looking at, um, as you can see on the screen behind me, Ephesians chapter six, um, and just verses ten. To 18, And I'll continue to encourage you, like most of the preachers who've got up here have done, to keep reading through that letter to the Ephesians. There's much more to, to look at than we are addressing from this platform. There's still a few. Maybe there's not any left now. There's been the Ephesians study guide that's been put together. Who's been who's been using that to some degree, the study guide? Quite a few of you. Put your hands down. Well done. Uh, just... Dig deep into scripture because it will change your life. It will change your life. It will. And right now I'm going to read those verses behind us. Um just and the title I've given this is Are You Ready a Fight? I think I didn't even know it was going to be a fight. Let's let alone get ready to fight. But the whole of this passage really addresses us in the fight, in the battle. And we need to be ready. I was I was uh, it, my, my son, Jake, who was boxing the other week, had to get ready for that fight. He was training day after day after day, pounding the roads, pounding the bags, pounding some poor sparring partner, um, because you have to be ready to fight. We can't just get into it. So let me read this passage, and then we'll, you'll see where we're going. So Ephesians chapter 6, reading from verse 10 from the New Living Translation. A final word: Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. If you could leave, sorry, if you could leave the screen, I'll I'll, I'll move because we're going to pick out those verses in detail in a little while. I'll just give an overview. I'll just read it through now. Then we're going to work through that verse by verse. All right. So, a final word: Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore put on every piece of God's armour so you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then, after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armour of God's righteousness. For footwear, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all of these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit which is the word of God pray in the spirit at all times and on every occasion stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere Jesus I pray that we would take something from your words here that would change us that we would be ready for the fight that we'll be prepared for whatever comes against us to stand firm for you to live for you amen amen so the apostle paul who wrote this letter is writing to well he's writing to comfort he's writing to encourage he's writing to strengthen the recipients of that letter and of course for us too we want to be strengthened and encouraged and comforted in the battle, don't we? So let, let me do what, what I said I was going to do now. We just work through this a little bit of a verse a verse at a time. So that just that verse 10 where he encourages us to be strong. Be strong in the Lord. We must be strong, must not we? Who wants to be weak? Right? Where does our strength come from? Right? Our strength is in... Him, right? It comes from Him, so in our weakness, He is st- strong, His strength, He's our strength. That's where we go if we want to be strong. We ain't we're not going to cut it on our own, right? Race, racing through this as a, as a way of introduction, we're going to get to the um armor of God in just a moment. But even there in verse 11, put on all of God's armor so you'll be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil, right even there is reminding us we are in a conflict. Please don't deceive yourself to think we ain't. We're not living in peacetime. We're in a battle. It's not like a battle. It really is a battle and it's a vicious one. There's no Geneva Convention. There's no uh, rules of engagement, right? This is a dirty fight that we are in and the enemy brings that fight to us so here in this verse he's encouraging us to stand firm stand strong God's grace is sufficient for us we we have a savior Jesus who came to us that's got to make us think in my weakness be my strength isn't it Jesus came to us we we may feel weak but he makes us strong we'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. We, we don't need to be on the ground, broken and bleeding, wounded, do we? But so many people are. Maybe you feel like that today. Broken and wounded. Well, as we go through these next few verses, hopefully you'll see a way where you can continue to protect yourself, where you can continue and ultimately, he says, after the battle, stand firm. If you do feel like you are on the ground and beaten up and broken and wounded, there should be opportunity to pray at the end of this service. On Friday, we have our prayer meeting. I'd like to, I'd like to continue with a bit more follow-up from this service, at least in part of that prayer meeting, where we can begin to apply some of this stuff to our lives and, digging a little bit deeper. But the devil does have strategies, right? He has plans to attack every nationality. He has plans to attack every personality, every every class, every subculture. He wants to destroy us. He has tailor-made plans to get each of us And I don't know, you probably notice it. Sometimes, you know, you look at someone, I don't know, you're looking at someone who's got a a real problem with alcohol, right? You look at them and you think, look at it. You see see it destroying their life and and the lives of those around them. You you see that the devil's got them, but you don't quite get it. You think, well, stop drinking then. Huh? But you don't realise the battle that they're in because they're facing a tailor-made assault and then you you know you look at them you think let's just stop drinking then you go to your place of work and then the selfish ambition which shapes your life suddenly comes to the fore and you're chasing power and position and income and all of that it's a different battle maybe for you can you see there's there's tailored strategies for each of us and each each group each grouping he'll always have a new scheme to attack us For we're not fighting against flesh and blood, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Are you scared? No, don't be scared. Because we're on victory side. Right? We're, we're with the God of heaven and earth, who is everywhere, all the time, all-powerful and all-knowing. The devil ain't that. He's a created being, you know. He may have some power, but we're with the all-powerful one, right? Verse 13, we we'll We're getting into the armor of God in a minute. Here he goes. He says, put on every piece of God's armor so you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. And then after the battle, you'll be standing firm. We get strength for the fight from putting on the armour of God. But, you know, just putting on armour, and we're going to look at the metaphor of this in a minute, just putting on armour doesn't automatically make you strong. I, I, took, I took a couple of the grandsons to the Imperial War Museum a while ago, and they had the opportunity to dress up in World War I uniforms. They put the jacket on, they put the helmet on, you know, they, they held some of the guns... Did that make him strong? Like they're weighed down by that tin helmet. Right, it didn't make him. St- and do you remember? Do you remember um, David when, when when he went to Saul and he's you know he's, he's about to fight Goliath? Do you remember that? He said, "Don't worry about this Philistine. I'll go and fight him." You've got to love David, haven't you? And Saul, do you know Saul replied? He said, "Don't be ridiculous." So there's no way you can fight him. You're just a boy. He's been a man of war since his youth. And you remember, David persisted. He said, "No, I've I've done the I've done the animals that try and you know the lions and the bears that try and get me dad's sheep." He said, oh, "I'll do this Philistine as well." And eventually, King Saul consented. He went, "All right, go ahead." And may the Lord be with you. And then Saul gave David his own armor. Do you remember a bronze helmet and a coat of mail? It says. David put it on, and he strapped the sword over it, and he took a step or two to see what it was like. You could imagine this boy, shepherd's boy, with a king's armor on, sort of walking. You think, "Oh, this ain't going to work, is it?" Just putting the armor on doesn't. The external armor isn't going to cut it. But the armor we're looking at in just this, just a moment is not external. This soldier's equipment is is a metaphor for other things, for truth and faith and righteousness and salvation and God's Word. They're the things we're going to put on. They're the things that will strengthen us and make us ready for the battle together. And I've heard this passage preached in different contexts over the years and very, well, most of the time, if not all, they, they never talk about this in the corporate. You always think of yourself as an individual, but Soldiers work together, don't they? You know, sometimes we're called the army of God. We've got to understand we're in this together. Sorry to keep using you as an illustration, Jake. But when when Jake was young, this it's not it's not embarrassing. When he when he was a teenager, seventeen, sixteen, seventeen, he went on a parachute regiment um, weekend, right? So it's like a fitness thing and all the rest of it, and then. Uh, it, it, then we started getting these recruiting sergeants ringing up all the time because he'd done really well right please come we want you we want you to come and be a para this is when we're fighting in afghanistan and iraq and all these places you think i don't really want him to be a, pa- a para really um you know and i found a mate of mine who was in the parachute regiment in fact he was in the falklands and i said look what do you think he said well listen if he's joining the parachute regiment he will be in conflict and then he said but when you're in conflict, you, you, you always want the parachute regiment next to you. Because they're, the, they're some of the best trained soldiers in the world. You want them on your shoulder. You want to look to your left and your right and know who you can trust. And that's what this is about. We've got to apply this in the corporate. Don't just think of yourself in this. You know, even as you're hearing these words, look to your left and look to your right. You think, no, we're in this together. City hope and the rest of God's people together this passage is for us fighting but not against flesh and blood the passage says we've got to remember that as well it's so e- it's so easy to see evil behavior and horrible stuff happening and 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 think it's think the person we think ill of the person we've got to think beyond that and see the evil powers at work i know there's some horrible people around out there but we love our enemies, don't we? That's what the Bible says. And pray for them. So so Paul gives us a clear way to combat the enemy together. Now, I've managed to get some original footage from Jerusalem from 2,000 years ago. Because I thought that would... No, I know it's very hard to fight, source this stuff. Um, to, to show some of the... Roman soldiers uniform just to give us a bit of clarity so let's start by looking at the belt of truth right so here we go let's let's have a look so I hope you can see that okay if you can't there will be little monitors around so he's stand your ground putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness now he's putting on the body armor as you can see that weighs about 10 kilos Right, it's pretty good. It's pretty clear, isn't it, for two thousand-year-old footage? That that body armor weighs about ten, about 10 kilos. It's made up of, of sort of layers of, of of metal which are articulated, so move well with the soldier. Um, strapped right the way to the neck. So there's there's the body armor. Let's have a look. The the belt goes on after that, which ho- and it girds round that and holds everything in place. So he's already got his sword on. And this sort of holds the sword in place. We're going to get to the sword of the Spirit in just a little while. But that leather, that leather belt wraps around and, and holds everything together, essentially, that belt of truth. We're going to look at the belt of truth and then we'll, we'll look at the breastplate or the body armour of righteousness. Let's be gripped and shaped, held by the word of truth. You know, the apostle Paul who wrote this to the church Ephesus. he wrote to Timothy, didn't he? He said, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who doesn't need to be ashamed, and who correctly handles the word of truth. Today, in this post-Christian world we live in, people say, well, there, there is no absolute truth. You often hear that now, don't you? People say, well, truth is what you want it to be right? Listen, we can't be affected by that. There is absolute truth, right? We need to put on truth. Jesus said, I am the truth, didn't he? Let's buckle on truth, right? We're surrounded by by, by people, you know, without being horrible, who are self-indulgent, self-indulgent often, aren't they? And we have a tendency, we can have a tendency to be like that if we're not careful. There, there is a rampant consumerism and individualism around we can't just bolt on a bit of religion to that way of thinking and that way of living we have to you know by with God's grace as we're reaching out full of truth girded with truth we need to deconstruct that for people but we need to be shaped by truth to be able to do that we can't be influenced by what the world says to us and 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 sadly that's the majority in your place of work it's probably the majority who think well there's no absolute truth it's what you make it really isn't it surely you can't tell me that God is saying this is right or this is true doesn't work like that yes it does and we need to be girded around with a belt of truth. The truth of Jesus. The truth that he was crucified on our behalf. We're only a few weeks from Easter. Right? The truth that he was raised up. Raised back to life, conquering sin and then conquering death. The truth that He is seated at the right hand of the Father because it's finished. It's complete. The victory is won. Everything we should do, everything we do should be shaped by truth. Every action every word every thought by the truth then if you know the truth and the truth is setting you free you won't have to say well i really don't feel like god loves me i don't really feel god's near me he's gone away right because if you know the truth the truth is i'll never leave you I'll never forsake you, right? I'll love you with an everlasting love. See, if you're thinking, oh, God doesn't love me anymore, that's not the truth. Right? There's thousands of examples we can use here. Because yeah, I love you with an everlasting love. Do you believe that? Gird that around you. to Do that belt up tight, right? Put on truth, soldier. The breastplate of righteousness. Right, we saw the breastplate of righteousness, or the body armor of righteousness. The Bible says that the enemy accuses us day and night. He, that's something he does 24/7. He accuses us, right? And as he accuses us, you know, you're no good. Look at you, right? Call yourself an husband? You can't even provide for your family. What sort of mother are you? Right? All those sorts of things and many others. They're accusing us. And those words can get in. We can allow them to get in. We have the free gift of righteousness. We are righteous. Right? Don't listen to the accusations. When the accusations say, you're rubbish. Look, you've you've done it again. You've sinned again. Right? No, I am righteous as a gift. Right? Put it on. Don't leave that body armour, that breastplate, down on the floor in the dust. Put it on. Do it up tight. You saw it on the screen there. Protect yourself with righteousness. The Bible says that all of our righteousness is like what? Filthy rags. They won't keep you safe and protected. It's not your righteousness, it's his. Right? The enemy says, the accuser says, Well, you're useless, your righteousness won't protect you. Of course it won't. But his righteousness will. Right? Put it on. Put that body armor on and he will protect you. Because on the cross, all my guilt was put on him. That's the truth. That's not fanciful. That's not a good idea. The truth is all my guilt was put on him, and all his righteousness was put on me. Oh! So when people look at me, and people can accuse, and the enemy can accuse, you think, I'm righteous. You wouldn't think it looking at me, but it's true. (laughs) Righteous as a gift. It's a gift from God. Cool, I thought he was going to fight me then. (laughs) Uh, his total have i frightened them all off there's a fight fight. (laughs) keep your hands up put that breastplate on his total purity and goodness his righteousness has been accredited to me and to everyone who's a believer in this room that's worth celebrating, ain't it? Hallelujah. It's been given to us. It's not a breastplate of performance. It's a breastplate of righteousness. Shall we get to the next piece of that ancient video footage? For shoes, put on the piece that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. There's those, there, those replicas of Roman sh- replica of Roman shoes, a single piece of leather, studded for grip, right, laced up tight. This is an interesting verse. This one, it, it's rendered in different ways in different Bible translations, but essentially, I think what it means is that it, where it comes down is that fully prepared, being ready, shoes of readiness. One of the translations puts it: the right footwear is important for fighting. You don't see many soldiers going out with flip-flops on, do you? Right? Over that, you know, yomping across the Falklands in their bright blue flip-flops. It doesn't work. You have the right footwear on. A boxer in the boxing ring has the right boots on. He doesn't want to turn his ankle by even wearing trainers in there. Right? We need to be ready. Fully prepared. And the devil and his demons are pushed back and defeated and kept off of us as we maintain a constant state of readiness, right? Don't be shaken. Stand your ground. Stand firm. Are you under assault? Are you under attack? Stand firm. I know the temptation is to to stagger back and to to wilt and to, to melt and to fade. Stand firm. And it's not just the boots, we're going to, we've already looked at some of the armor, we're going to look at some more, and an important one coming up soon. Stand your ground. Being rooted and grounded in Him. Isn't that a good place to be? Right? But that's not stuck. You know, you can't get your boot out. Right? Good footwork is essential. Right? using the illustration of the boxer he's walked out but the good footwork is essential right we need to, we need to be fleet of foot in this as well right but to stand on biblical, biblical truth you know in war you have to, it's almost a cliche isn't it a soldier sleeps with his boots on why does he why would he do that to be ready yes to be ready for whatever comes our way here's an important one that the apostle uses, a metaphor of a shield. There's, there's a, a, the Roman shield, about four foot tall, about two foot wide, it's curved. It's made of layers of wood, often covered with a final layer of leather and painted in those bright colors. It's edged in, in metal. Um, it's So it, it's a substantial size and it's good on its own but when you're working together with men to your left and your right as we referred to earlier you can see that that is a a great barrier that what what a lot of the commentators mention is as well before battle that that layered wood that sort of laminated really layers of wood shield would be soaked They'd, they'd dunk it in a river so it'd be soaking wet it'd obviously be a lot heavier but why would you do that because they knew. You've seen the movies and you? you've seen Gladiator and all them things. A the very effective weapon is when the enemy starts firing those fiery arrows. Have you seen it? You've seen the movies? You think there's arrows of fire coming down at you. What am I going to do? You put up your shield. Don't you? You put up your shield. The shield of faith. Can you see how this metaphor works? Right? You defend yourself. Faith to hold back the flaming arrows that are fired at you. And we've already heard he's an accuser day and night. That shield soaked in water does the job, right? Unexpected fiery arrows must be terrifying, mustn't it? And they would certainly hurt. They would wound. They would shock. You know, where they're coming from. Doesn't matter where they're coming from, hold your shield up. In the circumstances of life, stuff happens, doesn't it? And we need our shield up. Because we can be caught out. We can be caught out, you think, by bereavement, right? You think, oh, and an arrow gets in. But like by sickness, yours or a, cl- or a loved one, the arrow can get in. But there's many things, financial difficulty, relational issues, all sorts of stuff, some subtle, some unexpected. We've got to have the shield up. We've got to re- expect the unexpected. We're soldiers in a battle when this is not peacetime. And how many of you, don't, you don't have to put your hand up, how many have experienced some of those fiery arrows? It hurts, doesn't it? And it can incapacitate. And it can take ages to recover. Put up the shield of faith. Keep the shield there. Keep it up. They can come at you at any moment. Disappointment and regret and anger and fear and loneliness and grief, like I said, they can come and they can hurt. So we must be ready. And God says it will extinguish the fiery arrows. Right? Faith. We've got to fight. The fight of faith, and when you put up that shield of faith, faith, faith moves through the memory banks of Scripture, the Bible that we have in us, and it finds the promises that are suited for the crisis. Right? You know, when when that anxiety hits, that 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 we uh, remember, don't be anxious about anything. Ah, oh, that's faith, isn't it? Yeah, I'm I'm not going to be... Faith is being sure of what we hope for, isn't it? Certain of what we don't see. That puts that up and protects us. But it's not automatic. We need to apply that to ourselves. Pray with thanksgiving. We can stop that one. You know, Romans, Paul wrote to the, the church at Rome, and he talked about Abraham. He said, Abraham never wavered in believing God's promise in fact his faith grew stronger and in this he brought glory to God his faith grew stronger and it brought glory to God I'm going to change the order of the last two on here I'm just going to look at the sword of the spirit the only offensive weapon if you like of, of, of the armor we're going to see the both of them put together put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You can see him strapping on his helmet there. Very simple, but helmets have hardly changed, have they, really, in wartime? I know the materials are much more sophisticated, but this is very simple yet very effective. It's got that little ridge around the top to stop glancing blows, coming down and taking your nose off. It's got that cheek piece. It's got a protection over the ears, the piece at the back of the neck to stop those blows that try and take your head off. Right, it's very effective for the, for the uh, type of war that they're in. Right, There's, there's the, the helmet of salvation. Let's just look at the sword of the spirit as well. A short, stabbing sword. Again, taking in mind that you're working in unison with other soldiers. There's men to your left and to your right. So to pull that sword out, you don't want a great big four-foot sword to swing you, you. To pull that out, you take your mate's head off right it's a short sword but efficient for causing damage to the enemy right the sword of the Spirit the Word of God take the Word of God into battle resist the devil and he will flee right that's what Jesus did in the wilderness didn't he do you remember the story you remember the story after his baptism and he was led by the Spirit out into the wilderness and then at the end of that time of fasting, the devil himself came and tempted him. And how did Jesus respond? He quoted Deuteronomy. He quoted, quoted scripture back. Had he been reading that just before he went in there, I don't know. But he quoted scripture. And the devil has to yield to that authority. The word of God. I remember one, one fellow I spoke to years ago. He was really weird. Um, I mean, if you can use the word demonized, I think it would be better. And he asked, me, he asked me about this really obscure Bible verse. Well, what does that mean? And I said, I don't know what that means. But then I just said, I know what John 3.16 means. I said, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. I said, you can know that. right? The word of God. I thought, I'm coming against the demonic here with God's Word. Do we think biblically? Not just going to proof text. Does the, do we allow the Word of God to shape us? Because as we think biblically, we will be if, if effective in the fight. The sword of the Spirit. We're fast running out of time. I want to get to the helmet of salvation. Um, guard your mind with the helmet of salvation, right? Salvation is a, a many-faceted, glorious reality. You know there's that song? My chains fell off, my heart was free. Right? That's what happened at my sa- sa- salvation, isn't it? The chains of sin fell off, and I was free because of what Jesus did on the cross for me. He saved me. Right? He saved me. That was an event apart in the past. But, and I'm being saved. I'm being saved, if you like, in the present, continually being rescued. I'm certainly being rescued from my foolishness right, on a daily basis. The ongoing grace from God that saves us daily, if you like, daily being saved. We're the objects of salvation constantly, aren't we? That's a good thing. That helmet of salvation. But ultimately, salvation is a future thing. Because it's being saved from eternal damnation. It's saved from hell. Saved from being banished from the presence of God. Who wants to be there? Away from his presence. It's massive, isn't it? Being saved from hell and judgment from the wrath of God. Saved into glory. Saved into eternal delight and perfection and joy in that place where he's preparing a, a home for me, a room for me, somewhere for me to live. Wow. That's future salvation, if you like. Put on the helmet of salvation. There's hope. Romans 13. We read these words from, from the end of verse 11. Wake up. Wake up, for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is almost gone. The day of salvation will soon be here. There's an anticipation. There's an excitement. There's a hope. And 1 Thessalonians 5, the the, the letter to the church at Thessalonica, says, puts it this way. It says, in a parallel passage to the Romans, it says, put on the hope of salvation as a helmet. The hope of salvation, there's something more. It's not a past thing. It's not even a continuous thing. There's a future thing to our salvation. Does that make sense? Should you be excited by that? We should be, shouldn't we? Our salvation, in that sense, is nearer today than it was yesterday. It's certainly nearer today than when we first believed. Right? It's like kids... With their Christmas presents. You know, when they see them under the tree. I don't know what yours were like. Mine were pretty good. They didn't tear anything off them. But they were in anticipation of that wonderful thing that's coming soon. Right? I wonder what it is. It's going to be good. The hope of salvation. Don't think, oh yeah, yeah, go to heaven one day. Huh? The hope of our salvation. It's a wonder, isn't it? Let's revel in that. We'll be caught up in the hope of glory. Time has run away. Let me just finish by saying, be good soldiers. Put your uniform on. Be ready. Because we're in a war. Right? Do up that body armor tight. Put that belt around you. Make sure those shoes are fitted. Don't take them off. Hold up your shield. And be ready to wield that sword. Because God has equipped us for everything in life. Amen. Amen. Let me pray for us. (laughs) Lord, thank you. I want to thank you that you chose to use us in conflict. Because you're an omnipotent God. And at the flick of your wrist you could wipe out an enemy but you chose to include us in your battle in this fallen world knowing that there is a future knowing that there is a future hope of salvation and I pray that we'll bring you glory with our every action I pray that we'll be medal winners in that battle we'll do great exploits for you and that we'll look, and we we'll constantly look forward to that day of ultimate victory. Thank you, Jesus, that you're with us always. Thank you for the victory that we share that was won on the cross at Calvary. Amen.